morning, everyone. Uh, as Grace said, uh, welcome to Grace Church. If we've never met before, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us. We also do want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. So if this is your first time here, you're catching us right now in the middle of a series that we are calling it Neighboring. And to kind of catch you up to speed a little bit on where we've been, uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tony introduced us to this idea of neighboring by looking at a passage where Jesus has asked the following question. Uh, he's asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? To which Jesus replies, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so when Jesus is asked the question, what is the most important commandment? He cannot help but add in a second one. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so obviously this idea of neighboring and being a good neighbor, it's a pretty big deal to God. And so we felt like it was important enough that we wanted to spend an entire series walking through this and what it looks like to live that out. And so immediately following this passage, Jesus then launches into a parable where he expands the definition of neighbor to be more than just the person who lives to the left or to the right of you, but he defines it in a way that includes everyone that you meet. So it's the guy on the side of the road, it's the lady in the line behind you, it's the parent sitting next to you at the game or the practice. It's whatever people you find yourself in proximity to at any given time Jesus would consider all of them your neighbor. And so in the first week of the series, we asked and answered the question of who is my neighbor? And then last week, we asked and answered the question, how can I bless my neighbor? And so today, we're in week three of the series, and we're going to ask and hopefully answer the question of how can I show hospitality to my neighbor, and what does it actually mean to do that? So that's where we're headed today. So if you have a Bible with you, you guys can join me in Hebrews chapter 13, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat backs underneath you and, uh, or in front of you, and we'll be on page 976, and we say this every week. If you're new, if you're a guest, if you don't own a Bible, you can actually take that Bible home with you, and you can consider that a gift from us. Now, before we dive into our passage to see what the Bible has to say about hospitality, I want you guys to think about a question, and the question is this. It's what comes into your mind when you think about hospitality. What images... What ideas, what businesses, maybe there is a certain person that comes to mind. What is it that comes into your mind when you think about hospitality? So as I was thinking about this, the first thing that came into my mind was the hotel business. It was images like this. It was a concierge desk in the lobby of hotel. It's the lady running the valley parking. It's the guy who carries your bag for you, right? For some of you, perhaps your mind goes in this direction when you think about hospitality. Maybe for some of you, your mind doesn't go to hotel, but it, the first place your mind goes to is a hospitality tent, right? So maybe you've been to events. Maybe you've run in marathons. Maybe you ran in the Akron Marathon this weekend uh, where there was a hospitality tent full of food and drinks and uh, people there just to like take care of you and uh, host you and make sure that you had a good experience at whatever event this was that you were at. Maybe for some of you, your mind goes to a hospitality team or you think of a team of people who are working at a certain business or a certain place. So even here at Grace, we have what we call a first impressions team whose job it is to make you guys feel welcome when you come, when you come here, to, to greet you, uh, to smile, to answer questions, to provide coffee for you, and so on, right? Like, their job is to help host people and make you feel welcome. Maybe your mind goes there. Or maybe for some of you, your mind doesn't go to one of those bigger events or a corporation or business, but your mind, your mind goes to a specific person. Right? When I say hospitality, there's somebody, there's an individual 
that comes into your mind. Maybe it was your friend's mom when you were growing up, and every time you came over to her house, she was like ready with fresh baked cookies or something to feed you. And when you were there, she'd like, why don't you stay for dinner? And she was inviting you over. And just like every time you were there, you just felt loved, you felt valued, you felt seen, and you just felt like you belonged there, like you were part of their family. And so with all of that said, what I want to do now is I want to take a look at what the Bible has to say about hospitality. And one of the things that we're going to find is that while hospitality includes many of the things that come into our mind, some of the things that we just talked about, that God actually has something very specific in mind when he talks about hospitality. And I think that once we see this, I think it is going to challenge us to th- and stretch us to think about hospitality in a far deeper way. So let's see what God has to say. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 1, we read this. It says, keep on loving one another. As brothers and sisters, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So if we start to break this passage down, one of the things that we find is that the the recipients of this letter, they are being called to show and express their love in two distinct directions and to two distinct groups of people. And the first direction they're called called to love is found here in this word, Right up here, and this word in the original language, this word is the word Philadelphia. And so you guys didn't know that you know Greek, but uh, most of you already know the meaning of this word because you know that the city of Philadelphia is known as the city of what? Brotherly love, right? That's it. So that's the meaning of this word. And if you break this word down into its various parts, you have the word phylos, which means friend or to befriend somebody. And you have adelphos, which means brother, right? So befriend someone, and brother, and so when you put them together, it means to befriend, to love, to welcome, to care for your brother, your sister, your family, your friend, right? Philadelphia, to show brotherly love. In the context of our passage, it reinforces this idea, right? It says, keep on loving one another as what? As brothers and sisters. The author is reminding this group of believers to continue to love one another, to keep on loving their fellow brother and sister in Christ, But notice that the author doesn't stop there. In addition to that, the author now calls them to show and express their love in a second direction. And the word he uses to describe this second direction is the word hospitality. And so if you dive into the original meaning of this word, here it is, check this out. It's the word phyloxenos, phyloxenos. And if you start to break this word down into its separate parts, again, you have phylos, just like before, which means friend or to befriend someone. But this time, instead of Adelphos, which is your brother, this time it's Xenos, the second half, which means alien or stranger. And so where Philadelphia is a call to love and to care for your brother, hospitality, Philoxenos, is a call to show that same kind of love and care for the alien or the stranger. So I want to try and show, you, show this to you visually. Now, a disclaimer before I show you this slide. Uh, when I was creating this slide at home this week, my wife is a graphic designer, and she walked in, and the first thing she did was she laughed at me. And the second thing she did was she said, you need to make sure people know that I had nothing to do with this. She wanted to separate herself uh, from the quality of graphic design you're about to see. So, uh, so here's my slide to try and explain this, right? Pretty high skill level right here. I created this all by myself. All right, thank you. I didn't get applause at the first service. Uh, so this, this is you. You're very happy right now, right? And so uh, this is Philadelphia. This is you loving the people who are inside of your circles. 
Hospitality is different. Philoxenos is to love and show that same kind of love and care you would show to your friends, to your family, to people who are outside of your circles. So a couple examples. So this means next week when grandma and grandpa, when you invite them over for dinner, you are not showing them hospitality in a biblical sense. You are showing them Philadelphia because they are already part of your family. They are already part of the inside of what you would consider your circles. And when you decide to invite four guys from your life group over to watch the game and to have wings, what you're doing is good. It might be generous. You are being a great host. But those are your friends. Those are insiders who you already know. So what are you doing? You are showing them Philadelphia. Right, and so when we use the word hospitality, we often just like throw that around very casually. It's anytime someone's coming over and I'm hosting them, which is fine. I'm not trying to change that, but you need to understand that when the Bible says hospitality, that God is going after something very specific and the heart behind it is to take the same kind of love and care that we would show for our friends, people we would consider insiders, and it's to express that and to show that to outsiders, to people we would consider outside of our circles. It's to welcome in and befriend those who are not like us, maybe those who don't think like us or act like us or look like us or share the same political views or the same faith as us. It's to love and welcome anyone for whatever reason you would consider outside of your circles, and it's to treat them and care for them and welcome them as if they were somebody on the inside of your circles. Now, for a first century audience who was first hearing this message, this was not a new command or a new idea to them. This was something they were very familiar with. This is actually something that God has been calling his people to from the very beginning. So, if you were to go way back to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, check out what God tells the Israelites. He says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born, right? The outsider should be treated like the insider. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So, how far does this love extend? Well, Tony's been talking about it the past few weeks. It should extend all the way to our enemies. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? And if you only greet your brothers, doesn't everybody do that? But from the very beginning, God has called his people to love differently. And one of the ways he calls them to do that is through hospitality. To extend the same kind of love and care we would show our friends and family to those who we would consider on the outside of our circles. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of back when I was a freshman in college and I started showing up to a college ministry. I was at the University of Akron and so I would walk across campus by myself and I would show up at this college ministry just like right before it starts. I didn't want to get there too early because I didn't know anyone so I'd kind of sneak in the back and I'd sit in the back and I'd, I'd, I'd go through the service and then when it was done, I'd, I'd look around and be like, well, I don't know anyone so it's time to leave because this is gonna get awkward real quick. So then I would just kind of head right on out and uh, I would do this over and over and over and I, w- I basically was what Tony would describe as the church ninja, right? I would sneak in, I'd sit through service and I'd sneak out and it was as if nobody even knew I was there and I wasn't trying to be sneaky, I wasn't trying to be antisocial, I just didn't know anybody yet. And so I didn't really have a reason to stick around very long. And so I would do this week 
after week after week until one week, another student by the name of Zach Durr walked up and introduced himself to me. And he made me feel welcomed and cared for. And he invited me over to his house and to a life group. And Zach didn't know me at all. And Zach didn't have to do that, but he did. And that small moment of hospitality, right? That was probably two minutes of my life 23 years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday, right? That small moment of hospitality that he showed me, it was a massive turning point in my life and in my faith. It was through that act of kindness to an outsider that I got connected to a group of guys that would change my life forever. It was because of that group of that group that my faith grew deeper, and it's because of that group that I got myself into ministry, and ironically, I now find myself on a stage talking to all of you about hospitality, right? And it all started with a simple moment of hospitality. Somebody got up, they walked across the room, and they extended love and care to a stranger who he'd never met before. And my guess is that most of you you can think of a time when you were on the receiving end of hospitality too. When someone welcomed you in, and if you have, you know just how powerful that can be. You know just how transformative a simple act of hospitality can be when someone showed you, an outsider, love and care as if you were an insider. And the reality is if we want to be people who live out Jesus' command to love our neighbors, then hospitality is a non-negotiable part of that. And so if hospitality is such a powerful thing, and if it is such a life-giving gift that we can give to someone, then the next logical question my mind went to is then why don't more people do it? Right? If this is so simple, why do, the, why do the biblical authors even need to remind them and remind us of its value? And the answer is because hospitality is not always so simple. Because sometimes it can be really challenging to show hospitality, right? To invite a neighbor into your home can be scary and it can be awkward. To step across a social barrier at school can be challenging, right? To show love to an outsider like they are an insider, it can cost you time. It could cost you money. In some circumstances, maybe it could even cost you your reputation. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Peter 4. He says it like this. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, why would the Apostle Peter feel it necessary to put the little disclaimer on the end of that? And the answer is because he knows that we're going to be tempted to do that. As I was preparing for this, Pastor Tony actually pointed this verse out to me. And one of the things that he pointed out to me was that the word grumbling that Peter uses here, here's what it means. It means to complain, to murmur, or to have a secret inner debate. To complain, to murmur, or to have a secret inner debate. And I, when I heard that, I thought that was such an accurate picture of what goes through our minds in the moments when we have opportunities to show true hospitality. So imagine with me for a moment that you are driving down the road tomorrow, and as you're driving down the road, you realize that your spouse is broken down on the side of the road. In that moment, the vast majority of you would immediately stop and pull over, and you would help your spouse, right? Most of you would immediately stop. Now, those of you who might hesitate to do that, you have a separate set of marital issues you might need to work through, but most of you, you see your spouse broken down, like you're going to immediately stop without hesitation, right? Right? 
But now imagine, same scenario, you're driving down the road tomorrow, same time of day, same schedule. You see a car in the exact same spot broken down, but this time it's not an insider. This time it's an outsider. It's a stranger. It's someone you don't know. So what do you do? You hesitate. You murmur. You start to have this inner debate. And I don't know about you, but my guess is the debate would go something like this, right? You'd probably think to yourself, you know, I should stop and help that person. That would be a really cool thing to do. Man, that'd be, if I was there and someone helped me, that would be, that would be so awesome. But then you have that inner debate. You start debating yourself and you think things like, yeah, but I mean, they have a cell phone. Like everyone has a cell phone. They could, they could just call someone and, and they probably have AAA. There's probably somebody already on the way. And you know, you know, if I stop, I'm, I'm going to be late for that meeting, and I, I cannot be late for that meeting. And you know, it's, it's a pretty crazy world out there. What if they're a serial killer, and what if this is a trap, right? It's pro- this is probably a trap. You know what? I should just keep driving. It's the right thing to do, right? Because they are not an insider, because they are an outsider, we hesitate. We murmur. We have a secret inner debate. Let's say you're sitting in class or you're at work or you're at soccer practice and you notice somebody new. You see someone sitting by themselves, someone you might not naturally talk to and you think to yourself, you know what? I should go say hi to that person. I should talk to them. I should introduce myself to them. I should invite them to come over and to sit with me or to sit with the group that I'm part of. But then your next thought is, yeah, but what am I gonna say? And what are we, what are we gonna talk about? I don't know what to talk about. And what, what if I go over and kind of freak them out? Or yeah, they're on their phone. They're probably working, right? They're probably doing something important right now. So I, I think I should, just, I should just leave them alone. What do we do? We murmur. We have a secret inner debate. And more often than not, what we do is we talk ourselves out of actually showing hospitality to them. And what Peter challenges us to do is he says, I want you to offer, ta- offer hospitality to welcome the outsider without hesitation. He says, you know just how powerful this can be, so don't talk yourself out of it. He says, love them, talk to them, invite them in, and do it without hesitation. Why? Because hospitality is an integral part of loving our neighbors. Now, this past week, as I was thinking about all of this, there was a certain family from our church that immediately came to mind, because I think when it comes to hospitality, I think they just get it think they have a heart for God and they have a heart for people and they just have a desire. We want to love our neighbors well. And because they did that, they started trying some things that I think are pretty cool. And so uh, this past week, I actually got to interview uh, this couple and learn uh, learn a little bit more about what they're doing. And I thought it would be really helpful for all of us as we kind of start to think this stuff through in our own lives for you to hear from them. And so some of you guys might know Matt and Stephanie Nothan. They are members here at MEC. And so again, I got to sit down and I got to ask them about some of the things that they're trying this week related to hospitality. So check out this video. Do you have any lettuce varieties? Nope. Um, do you remember which questions you're answering? What if we all said no and then you saw the video? And like, like you jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. All right, so... Uh, so this weekend, we are talking about hospitality. So tell us what you guys have been doing on your Tuesday nights. You're pretty much looking at it. This is what we've been doing on Tuesdays. We've just been reserving this time for hanging out outside and being available for 
friends to stop over, kids to play, and hopefully neighbors to visit as well. In the warm months in Ohio, we thought we should reserve some space to just be out and about and uh, have time to interact with people in our neighborhood when we might normally not have that time. And how did you guys start doing this? Like, did you send out party favors to everyone? Like, how did you start engaging your neighbors? Well, I mean, I think the, the first thing is we just um, just told them, you know, said, hey, you know, like we're this kind of in the middle or the beginning of the summer. We've been trapped in our house for, you know, six months of winter that we have here in Cleveland. <laughs> and so we said, hey, we just needed some time to sort of get out and uh, you're invited. So it's just, it was just a word of mouth. It wasn't really a... Uh, you know, formal invitation. We just, we went to them and told them uh, what we were doing and let them know they were welcome and, um, yeah. What does a normal night look like? This isn't one of your questions. What does a normal night look like? What do you guys actually, what do you do? Yeah, so it depends, I guess, on the weather, but uh, we'll either hang out uh, outside and, and have a fire. So, you know, last night we had a uh, fire and just a few people hanging out talking. Um, or we'll hang out in the garage uh, if it's rainy or if it's hot. Um, but really, it's just intentional time where we're talking. You know, we're just space, whatever's going on that week, you know, whatever's going on in the world, you know, we just have just uninterrupted time um, to, to communicate and talk and just sort of get involved in each other's lives, so. Uh, Steve so has been doing this for maybe a little over a year, something like that. Um, How's it been going? Give us some stories. What's it been like? Has it gone as you expected? Has it been horrible? Has it been better? Like, just give us some insights into what it's been like for you guys. Yeah, I think we started last summer. Just uh, the first night, we just took our two lawn chairs out in the front yard and just sat there, and it was awkward because we don't rest well. We're constantly busy. And, you know, our thought was maybe people will come over and maybe they won't, but worst case, it would just be us having intentional time with uh, each other or, and our kids. Uh, but the first night we set those two chairs out, our neighbor kids saw us and came over and their parents followed and they pulled up a chair and, and we hung out for that first night. And so some nights it looks like that. It looks like just a few of us just hanging out. And, and other nights we have a, a driveway full of cars and kids running all over the place. And so um, I think I, I would agree with Matt in saying that a lot of relationships have budded, but we've also learned things about um, people in our neighborhood that we wouldn't have known. Had we known that, we would have been able to to love them and support them through those things like health scares and a parent passing away and help with childcare, little things like that. If we don't know our neighbors, then we are, we're not gonna know how to love them. So that's, that's one of the cool things that's come out of this is um, knowing what's going on in our community and, and being available to, to help with those needs. What types of things have you had to like give up or compromise or sacrifice in order to kind of pull this stuff off? Time, um, I think is, is a big one. Uh, so we had to, in order for us to do it, like we, we really had just, we had to be intentional about scheduling that time and, and carving out that time in our week. Um, so, you know, every Tuesday, that's, that's what we do. Um, off limits. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, we've, sometimes our house gets a little messy or the yard, you know, you got to pick up toys afterwards. Um, up a little bit late. Later, uh, sleep. You know, yeah. we sacrifice sleep not sometimes. Terrible, not too bad. But yeah, we've really had to thin out our schedule. There's some things that we've had to say no to and 
to back away from in order to leave this space available for our neighbors. Obviously, I'm interviewing you because I think what you guys are doing is really cool, and uh, I think it's, uh, it's a great example for a lot of people. So uh, the whole church is listening to your video uh, right now. What advice would you guys have or tips or what would you say to people who are out there and they're like, all right, we're talking about hospitality. I know I should be better at this. I'm afraid, I, I'm afraid, like, I don't know, like, what, I don't know, what, what, just, what comes into your mind? You got the whole church listening right now. What advice would you give someone who's thinking about this, but maybe a little bit afraid? I mean, you obviously don't have to open your home weekly in order to love your neighbors. This isn't um, a one-size-fits-all type of thing. It might seem overwhelming to do something like that, but I would start small. You know, if you have kids, maybe do a lemonade stand in your neighborhood. Neighbors tend to come out of the woodwork and conversations just kind of naturally happen with something like that. It's football season right now. You know, maybe take your TV out on your deck and invite the neighbors over to watch the Browns game or something. Um, if you have a, a festival in the area or a park, you could just stop over and ask them if they want to take a walk. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't have to be a weekly thing, but I would definitely, number one, pray about it and how God can use you in your neighborhood and um, maybe start to carve out some time for that, but start with something small and, and just see how it goes. I think you might be surprised at um, what God can do with that. The other thing I would say is is uh, just let, let God work. You know, if you, if you set aside the time and, and you're willing, um, pray about it I, I just I feel like that's kind of what we did like we, we came into it with no agenda except we just knew that the, the timing was a big deal for us and so we carved out the time prayed about it told some people about it and then just let the Holy Spirit work in ways that we didn't intend or um, or uh, or expect so yeah I just I think if we're open I think God will do what he wants to do with that time yeah, so there's a lot of things that I just I love about what they're trying to do. A um, couple of things, just point out a couple of things. One, I, just, I love that they're just trying something, right? Because they take this call to hospitality seriously because they genuinely want to love their neighbors. They just decided to try something. Right? I don't know if you caught that. Their grand plan was like, we're going to take two lawn chairs, we're going to put them in our front yard, and we're going to sit in it. That was the plan. Right? And they just kind of sat in it, and their neighbors kind of started interacting with them more, and it went from like, couple of kids to there are nights where their like driveway is full of people and there's no agenda there's no like fix like it's not overly complicated they just said man we have a heart we've been our neighborhood for a while we don't know our neighbors that well that just doesn't seem right let's just try something and they did it I love that another thing uh, that I don't know if you caught this but they made time for this right they intentionally thinned out their schedules to make time to do this, to dedicate their Tuesday nights to this. And so one of the realities is if you have a desire to spend more time with people outside of your circles, then you're probably gonna have to reduce some of the time you spend with people who are inside of your circles, right? You're gonna have to give up some things in order to do this. And I love that they were willing to do that. I know there are others in the church who are doing the same thing as well. I know of a life group that has built a rhythm uh, into their schedule where they actually devote one week a month to not meeting so that they can intentionally invite a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, somebody else over for dinner. And again, I just love the intentionality. Like, hey, we're, we're just going to try something. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after this. Another thing I love about the example that they have is uh, they didn't make excuses 
If any of you guys know Matt, you know that he is a little bit more on the introverted end of the spectrum, and so it's not that simple to just be like, oh, hey, everyone, come on over, and right? For some of you, that's easy. For some of you who are introverts, you're like, I don't know if I could do that, right? Like, Matt didn't use that as an excuse. Again, they have busy lives just like the rest of us. They also, they don't own a massive home, right? The reason we were shooting the video in their backyard on their porch is because that's where they do this. They do this in the summer months when they can have people in their backyard because everyone wouldn't just fit inside their home. They can't just cram... 30 people in there, right? If, they rain, if it rains, they're like, yeah, we meet in our garage. And I think all of those things could have been an excuse for them to not do anything, but they didn't let it be an excuse, right? Because I think when you love people enough, when you, when you have a desire enough to do this, that those excuses, they just kind of tend to fade away and you, you, just, you just find a way. I love that they're doing that. And so this week, as you guys, as hopefully the wheels are starting to turn a little bit, you're starting to think through what this maybe could or should look like in your life, I want to challenge you guys to think about uh, hospitality in two separate ways. The first way I want to challenge you to think about it is on a personal level, what does it look like for you to do this? And then I also want you to think about this on a corporate or a collective level, what does it look like for, for us or for we to do this? And so let's start with the personal, right? So personally, when you think about your life, what are some ways that you can start to better live out a life of hospitality? And so for example, what if this week you picked one neighbor or one coworker or one family from your kid's soccer team, and what if you simply invited them over for dinner? Or what if the next time you saw them, you're like, hey, what are you doing in a couple weeks? Would you do you next, next Friday? Would you be interested in coming over for dinner? Like, what if you just threw out a simple invitation for dinner? And that doesn't mean you have to do that every week or that you have, even have to have dinner this week. But this week, would you consider throwing out one invite to dinner, a simple gesture to someone outside of your normal circles to invite them in where you can show them hospitality? Maybe for some of you, you're in a different phase of life, and so maybe instead of a neighbor, it might be another kid in your class who often finds himself on the outside looking in. Maybe for you, it's sitting next to him on the bus or inviting them to sit with you at lunch or maybe inviting them to go to that thing with you or to that event or to that party or to the whatever. And just would you consider, instead of just seeing them out there, would you say, you know, maybe that's someone that I, I could invite in somehow. Maybe for some of you, that might mean talking to that coworker at work that nobody else talks to and that everyone else is trying to avoid, right? And even as I say that, right, there's, there's a person that just came into your mind when I said that. Now, I can't tell you who that is for me because you know who I work with, right? But we all have coworkers that sometimes we're trying to avoid. And so what if, what if this week, instead of avoiding that person, what if you found a way to show that person hospitality, so obviously there is no one way to do this, right? Hospitality, it comes in many different shapes and forms and sizes. But my challenge to you this week is would you pick one way? Would you pick, would you intentionally take one step in the direction of somebody outside of your normal circles and would you show them hospitality? And then I also think it's important for us to think about hospitality uh, collectively as well, right? Because again, this is something that you can live out, but this is also something that we can live out. And so one of the things I think this would be a great discussion would be in your life groups. If you're part of a life group, what if your group asked the question collectively, how can we do this, right? What would it look like if we all teamed up and we decided to try and show hospitality somehow? What could that look like? For time's sake, let me just give you one example that we as a church are thinking through. And so one of the things uh, we as a staff have been thinking through is the fact that we have this awesome indoor playground 
that all of our kids and our families get to use here on the weekend during services. But our vision for this playground has never been to like hoard this thing for ourselves. The vision has always been to see this as a resource that we can use to bless and to show hospitality to the community. And so one of the things we've been thinking about is what if as a starting point, again, there's about 10,000 ways we could use this, but what if as a starting point, what if in the middle of winter, when parents and their kids are getting a little stir crazy because they've been trapped in their house, what if we were to open up this building or that place on a Saturday morning so that people from the community who we don't know, outsiders, total strangers, could come here and they could use that thing free of charge? And what if, what if there were a handful of people from this church who were there to welcome them and to love them and to show them radical hospitality when they showed up? We think that could be a pretty cool thing. In the same way we want to individually be people of hospitality, we also want to collectively uh, choose a few strategic ways that we can collectively be a place of hospitality as well. And we think that this is just one really unique way that we as a church have a chance to do that. And so with that in mind, here's what I'm asking. I actually have a very specific ask this morning. And so I'm asking you to pray and consider if you might be one of those handful of people who are there to welcome the community when they come in to that playground. And to be honest, we're not just looking for somebody who can unlock the door for us. We're looking for a human who has a heart for hospitality. We're looking for people who have a heart to fill oxinos, to love on strangers, to welcome them in, and to treat them as if they're part of the Medina East family. So this week, I want you to pray about that. I want you to ask God if that might be something he is calling or inviting you into. And if that's you, there are a couple things you can do. Um, put a, an email up on the screen that Steph notes and you saw in the video. So if you need the email, you can take a picture of it. You can either email Steph and say, hey, I'm interested in being part of that. You can come find me after service. You can uh, find my email on the website. Come talk to me. Send me an email as well. But would you let us know, hey, that's something that I actually really think would be cool to be part of. And so again, there's a thousand ways we could think about this on the we level, the us level, but I think that is something we want to consider too. Not just how can you do this, but what if you teamed up with some other followers of Jesus and you thought, how can we collectively live out a heart of, of um, hospitality to the world that we find ourselves in? So with that, I'm going to invite the band back up. But while they're coming, I want to address one last question. And it's actually the same question we ended with last week. And it's the question of why. Why hospitality? Why should we go out of our way to welcome and love people we might not know as well or who are different from us? Why take the risk? Why give up your time? Why bother expending the energy? Now, to be honest, we've already talked about some of the why reasons. We've talked about how powerful it can be, how one simple act of hospitality can change someone's life. But let me now give you the ultimate answer to the question of why. And the ultimate answer is because God is a God of hospitality. We do it because God loves the outsider, because God loves sinners and God loved his enemies. And if I could make that more personal, we do it because God loved us, right? The gospel says that because of our sin, that we, we were separated from God that we were alienated from God and that we were the outsiders. 
And what did God do when we were the outsiders, right? He sent Jesus down to come find us, to love on us, and he did more than just like welcome us in and treat us like his family. He actually invites us to be part of his family. And you know what that is? It's hospitality. It's hospitality. And so because we believe this to be true about God, uh, we actually made up our own word here at Medina East to try and capture and express this. And you've probably heard this before. It's the word gospitality. It's gospel-centered, gospel-driven, and gospel-motivated hospitality. And this, this is why families like the Nothans will give up every Tuesday night of their summer. Because Jesus has done it for us, we want to do it for others. And when a follower of Christ shows somebody else hospitality, not only are they acting like their heavenly father, they're also showing the world what their heavenly father is like. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, I'm the outsider. You know, I'm kind of visiting and I'm checking out this whole Jesus thing and this whole church thing. And you know what, I am the one who's on the outside looking in. And if you leave here with nothing else, we want you to know that the God that we follow, the God that we uh, talk about, the God that we're about to worship and sing to is a God of radical hospitality, that he loves the outsider and that he wants to do everything he can to make you feel loved and valued and welcomed into his family. If that's something you wanna know more about, you wanna talk about, you want someone to pray with you, I would love it if you would come find me after service And we would love to do everything we can to make you feel welcomed and loved here. So let me pray for us, and the band's going to lead us out. Father, you are so, so good. And God, you are a God of radical hospitality. God, when we were on the outside looking in, completely on our own, you came and you found us and you rescued us. And God, you adopt us into your family. God, I, for one, am so incredibly grateful that you did that for me. So God, this week as we move and live and go about our day, I pray that you would give us eyes to see people who are on the outside, people who are lonely, people who just need someone to love on them, people uh, who maybe just need a friend. God, would you give us eyes to see the people you want us to extend hospitality to, and then God, would you give us your heart? Would you make us more like you? Would you give us a passion and a desire to see them and to not hesitate to not think twice, but to run towards opportunities to show radical love and radical forms of hospitality. God, you are so, so good to us. We're so, so grateful for the way you've done that for us. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask all of this in your son's name.